With the trade deadline coming and going and a lot of Red Sox minor leaguers getting the opportunity this past season to show what they got, I want to do a little bit of a Red Sox farm system check-in with SoxProspects.com Director of Scouting, Ian Cundell. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast and thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Massachusetts Pirates team insider, Jake Nizuski. And on this episode, I had the opportunity to speak with the director of scouting for SoxProspects.com, Ian Cundell, and talk to him a little bit about what the future for the catching position looks like, what his assessment of of the Red Sox return on some trade deadline trades, as well as what he thought of some of the guys that the Red Sox got in the 2022 draft and much, much more. Let's listen to Ian and I's conversation. I'm here with the director of scouting for SoxProspects.com, Ian Cundell. So how are we doing today, Ian? Uh, good. Thanks for having me back on. Um, it's been obviously, a, it's been a bit, been a bit of a bit of time, but a lot has definitely happened since the last time we, uh, we talked. Right. And, you know, we, we can start off talking about essentially what happened just less than a week ago uh, where, where the Red Sox confused a few people with uh, buying and selling. But uh, I, I was interested with some of the prospects that they got, uh, not only from the Vasquez trade, but from the Eric Hosmer trade. And I've been pretty impressed so far, specifically with uh, Emmanuel Valdez, what he's been able to do so far in Worcester. But I was curious your thoughts on uh, the return that they got from both of those trades. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's definitely like there isn't really a headliner in there. None of none of the players they acquired went into our top ten or even I think our top fifteen of the system. But they they strengthened some areas that um they they I think they were pretty thin at um with Will Willier Abreu he they just the Red Sox just don't have many um outfield prospects in the upper minors so he kind of f- fits a nice gap there. Um, Valdez, as you said, has got off to a great start uh, with Worcester. He's got I think three home two or three home runs already. And yeah, he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely opened some eyes at the plate. Um, you know, defense is definitely a work in progress with him, and I think that's kind of why he's down the rankings for us. Is that just a lot of questions about what his ultimate defensive home is, or even if he has one? So those are some things that we still need to be answered. And then the guys they got on the Hosmer deal, um, you know, they they they're a little further away, which I think was part of the appeal. You know, by moving Groom, it cleared a forty man spot that they obviously had to use for Hosmer and uh, Ferguson and Rozier. Um, Ferguson's an infielder, uh, also played a little center field, but good speed. And same with uh, Rozier as an outfielder with speed. And that's something the system really lacks. You know, there's not a lot of true, you know, six plus 65 or better runners in the system. And both of them are 60 to 70 runners. So I think adding some much needed like speed and athleticism in the low minors was also beneficial. And, you know, we'll, we'll have to see with them. They're a little uh, lower, um, less regarded than the two guys they got in the Vasquez deal. But um, overall, it was, you know, it's good to always add, you know, four more depth guys to the system. That's one thing that I was most intrigued about by the, by the return that the Sox got from both of those uh, trades was the speed aspect of it. You know, as you mentioned, both Ferguson, Rozier, and also uh, Abreu all have 
I, I believe more than 25 steals uh, so far this season. And um, other than, you know, David Hamilton, nobody really comes to mind as a speedster to say uh, in the Red Sox system so far. But um, one, one thing that I, I was a little bit uh, intrigued about as well, specifically on Valdez, was you mentioned, uh, you know, he doesn't really have a place right now on the diamond. That, that's one thing that intrigued me was his versatility. Uh, I, I actually had the opportunity to speak with uh, Chad Tracy, the uh, Woo Sox uh, manager, and he mentioned that they're, they're going to, not only try him, you know, at second base, third base, a little bit of the outfield as well. But um, where where do you really see some of these guys coming into play in the in the next like three to four years? Um, yeah, well, with Valdez, I do think the versatility thing in him is a little like different. It's it's mm-hmm. more that he's not very good at any of the positions. Makes sense. Um, then he's like you know he like a good example is Sedan Rafael is someone who's got good positional versatility. He's also like very he's also an ex a solid defender mm-hmm. to better i mean he's like he's 60 70 defender in center field so his versatility is driven by the fact that he's good at all those positions whereas um with valdez from what i understand from talking to scouts who'd seen him this year he he's kind of a little rough defensively and so the reason they're moving him around is to try and find a position that he's you know playable at um so i i i think that's a little bit of a it, that's definitely it makes sense to me that tracy would say they're going to move him around because I, I think that's what you need to do you know you got to find somewhere where he's comfortable and also that the team's comfortable because as you've seen with the red Sox this here you know there's there's a priority with infield defense um and also that you know outfield defense is important too so you got to find somewhere that he's comfortable where you know even if his bat is good enough it can't he can't be hurting the team on defense um as for the the guy's long term impact, I I think that Valdez and Abreu are the two we should focus on, or you know you should focus on for now because Ferguson and Rozier were drafted last year. They're both high minors guys, and I think they're just a little lower down. Like talking to scouts, the upside level there is a little lower. You know, you're talking more potential like utility types if they everything clicks. Whereas Valdez, um, you know, the bat is legit. Apparently, um, we'll see how it translates against more advanced pitching. There are some questions about how his approach and uh, contact ability will translate against you know, major league pitching, which he's obviously on the doorstep of. And then with the Bray, it's the same thing, you know, he's got some intriguing raw tools, um, but the hit tool is the question mark. And I think with both those guys, you know, the, the hit tool goals will determine a lot, go a long way to determining their uh, future upside. But both of them look like they have a chance to kind of impact the major league team a lot sooner than the guys from the Hosmer trade. Makes sense. And, and that's that's something that I've sort of noticed from uh, Valdez so far is that his approach to the plate, it's, it's relatively good. Kind of reminds me uh, of, especially with his stance, specifically his stance. He's got like a Juan Soto type of stance where he's just very much loaded up. And then when he connects with the ball, you know, for, for the most part, it'll it'll come off really nice. But, uh, you know, shifting more towards the draft as well. You know, we, we saw the Red Sox uh, a, m- a month or so ago, uh, grabbing the positional players, uh, not as m- many pitching, uh, but we, we saw them go for shortstop Mikey Romero. I saw that you guys put him in the top 10 uh, of your updated rankings. What, what was sort of your assessment of what the Red Sox did uh, in the 2022 draft? Yeah, but the, the draft is tough because ultimately, you know, we're not going to know for three or four years. So you're kind of just guessing right now. Um, and obviously, you know, when the Red Sox draft a guy, they have a lot more information than we're working with when we're putting them into our initial rankings. But uh, with Romero, you know, he, he fits the trend of the uh, players they've targeted a lot early in the rounds last couple of years. Um, obviously, last year they took Marcel Meyer, who was a high school shortstop from California the year before Nick York, who was a second baseman high schooler from California. Romero's another one like that. Um, you know, good glove, projected to stay at short, good hit tool, um, powers, the you know, question mark. And, um, 
I think the the one knock it seemed on Romero just from asking around is they're not sure if there's a plus tool, but it seems like, you know, someone who has several, you know, average-ish to better tools. And, you know, when you when you put all that together, you can definitely dream on, you know, a bat first middle infield type, you know, someone who might be able to be, you know, obviously we don't know right now, but maybe there's everyday ceiling there. And if not, you know, you can fall back on the defense a little bit. Um so yeah, no, he's definitely he's an interesting pick, and obviously the part of the motivation too was they were able to save some money with him to move around and tr- for the some of the later picks, which when they went well over slot in the second round for Roman Anthony, the high school outfielder from Florida, and in the ninth round Brooks Br- uh, Bannon, the catcher from Carolina. So um, yeah, I mean I think that you know obviously Romero is was was seemed like he wasn't going to make it to their second pick, so they had to pop him where they did, but they're definitely uh, it helped out that they were able to shave a couple hundred thousand off to move around for those later guys were you surprised that they went so positional player heavy uh no i i think that um with the draft you know you you just take the best player available on your board that fits in your budget and if that happens to be mostly position players that's fine um i think that again they, they avoided the high school pitching market which makes sense you know that that's obviously one of the toughest groups of prospects to develop there's takes a while so it's i think it's noteworthy that they again went back to the mostly the college pitching well um you know, it seems like that this this front office group likes to get their higher upside, you know, uh, pitchers out of the Latin market. And then from the from the domestic market, they look to prefer the college guys with a couple like pitches or pitch characteristics that they can build upon because um, their pitching development program has been pretty good. You know, they've done a good job of, of really improving guys after they sign, like guys like Chris Murphy, Brandon Walter, you know, are all who are kind of under the radar signings, you know, signed for a couple hundred K in Murphy's case and 20 K in Walter, 25 K in Walter's case. Both have turned into, you know, top 10 prospects. And I think that uh, with the pitching infrastructure they have in place, that there's a chance that, you know, one or two of these uh, pitchers they got. And, you know, I don't think they gave a pitcher more than like 400K in the draft or 420K um, will turn into, you know, definitely an intriguing prospect down the road once they get them in the dev system and working with those instructors and all the coaches. I hope you guys are enjoying my conversation with Ian Kundal. I hope you guys are enjoying my conversation with Ian Kundal, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about Built Bar. So have you tried Built Bar Puffs yet? If not, you're depriving yourself because they have a brand new flavor. It's the delicious cookie dough. It's covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. So let me introduce to you the new flavor cookie dough chunk puffs it's a light chewy texture with real cookie dough chunks and of course they're covered in 100 real chocolate they only have 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein so run over to built.com and snag a box for you and the family it will be a perfect treat and if you have not tried built bar yet it's the perfect way to not only eat healthy but have it taste good as well. And it's pretty crazy that it's covered in 100% real chocolate. So you're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puffs, whether you need a snack for your workout or a late night treat. So grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar, which tastes better than a candy bar. So ditch the calories, fat, and sugar, and grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCK15. 15% off of your order. Now let's get back to my conversation with Ian. Makes sense. And you you know staying with the draft look, looking back at 2021, you know you know obviously Marcelo Mayo was the headliner of that draft and a lot of excitement around his name. It's been really nice to see him uh you know continuing to develop down in Salem, um uh, you know hit hitting uh, a upper 200s and uh you know I saw he has nine home runs in there as well, but um 
other than him and Nico Cavardis, who we've also seen been very impressive so far this season, what's been your assessment of of how those guys have improved so far? Well, and Meyer, too, who's actually promoted this morning. Um, oh, wow. Chris Hatfield, uh, who, who I work with over at Sox Prospects, broke that story this morning that him and Blaze Jordan had been promoted to uh, to Greenville. So we're going to get to see them uh, getting challenged a little more now. Should be a good look. But uh, with the rest of the draft, I mean, it's it's all definitely early, but I, I think there's definitely there's some intriguing guys beyond the two that you mentioned who have been putting up the big numbers. Um, pair of pitchers, Elmer Rodriguez Cruz and Hunter Dobbins have both been pitching really well. Um, one of them down in the FCL and the other one, Dobbins in Salem. Dobbins just got back from Tommy John surgery and has been slowly ramping up and his stuff has looked really good. Um, seems like he he's made it back, you know, stuff wise pretty much fully. And uh, he's put up really good numbers. So he's an intriguing new arm. And then Cruz is kind of a further away, more projectable arm. Um, he was he was drafted at Puerto Rico last year and he's still super young, super long, but his velocity, you know, he's up to the mid nineties already. He's got some feel for secondary. So he's an intriguing long-term play um, on the position player side. Obviously Myers, the calling card or the, you know, the, the big ticket item. And then Cavadas has also been good. Um, but also someone like Daniel McKelvany, who was just promoted to Salem is pretty interesting. He's a high school. He was drafted out of California high school. Again, he was an infielder there. Uh, he's converted to catcher now, but he's someone who's got some decent contact skills idea of the plate. Some scouts I know like him, um, Tyler McDonough, not had the best statistical season, but he's a good defender. He's got some feel for contact and, you know, you can, there's a chance he can develop into utility guy. So overall, I, I think that. Um, and Nathan Hickey, obviously another one, fifth round pick. who got a million dollars, shown a good approach. He's been promoted to Greenville too. Um, questions about whether he can stick a catcher. And he also has had some trouble staying healthy. But when he's on the field, he's been producing. So, yeah, I, I think the early returns from that draft class are very strong. Makes sense. You know, you brought up some some pitchers that have been impressing. And, you, you know, we saw a, a few pitchers get opportunities at the MLB uh, so far this season due to injuries, you know, like Brian Bayo, Josh Winkowski. And you know, I also saw that uh, Brian Mata came back from Tommy John surgery. But especially with, you know, pitching being s- some somewhat of a weakness over the last few years for, for the Red Sox up in the majors, uh, what, what other pitching prospects should we keep an eye on? Um, yeah, as you said, a lot a lot of the top guys have already made it up to the big league level um, or pretty close. Um, and then obviously the next I think the the next kind of group to watch is a couple other guys who um, who are kind of one one is hurt right now and the other one is making his way back from Tommy John. It's Brian Mata and Brandon Walter. Um, Mata was the top ranked pitching prospect in the system, but he had Tommy John a couple years ago. And now he's he's back in Portland. Um, he's you know he's had a pretty good year. He, he's not giving up a lot of hits. He's missing bats, some issues with the command, which is understandable. But his stuff looked really good when I saw him. You know, fastball velocities up in the high nineties. So he's definitely one to watch. Uh, with Walter, it's kind of a uh, more of a, a craftier profile. He's you know pitches in the pitches in the low nineties, relies on his command and control, and then ability to mix in two good secondaries and a break and a breaking ball and a changeup. But he's unfortunately been on the DL for a few weeks. Um, with the next strain. So we don't, we'll see when he comes back. And then forgot one more, uh, Tommy John returning, I think it's worth mentioning is Thaddeus Ward. He uh, was the fifth round pick out of UCF a few years ago. He's slowly making his way back from Tommy John also, and has got back up to Portland and made his first uh, couple appearances there. So there's definitely, you know, more in the pipeline coming than what we've seen this year. Um, but yeah, I think the guys that I just mentioned are a little further away. Like they're not, you know, guys, players we could see this year, but more like, you know, end of next year is when I think the time frame with those type of players. 
I've I've been very very impressed with uh, Brandon Walter so far. Obviously, from what we saw, like in, in Portland, I, I think it was he pitched like fifty innings and only walked like three guys. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, but I uh, saw him struggle a little bit in his first few starts uh, with the Woo Sox. But I'm curious to see how he continues to develop. Uh, when he comes back from in, from injury, obviously a guy who won uh, the 2021 minor league pitcher of, of the year award. Uh, but n- now looking more towards one, one guy that everybody really hoped and prayed that we see in the majors so far this season, but unfortunately uh, injured his ankle earlier this year was Tristan Cassis. And, you know, obviously, obviously the Red Sox have struggled with uh, first base throughout this season and luckily got uh, a reinforcement, Eric Hosmer. But uh, how long do you think uh, the Red Sox might keep Cassis uh, in AAA, um, obviously the end of this season and a little bit in the next season too. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate the injury he had. I think that if he hadn't had that ankle injury, he'd probably be up in the big leagues right now, um, or and would have been up for you know a decent amount of time given these struggles they had at first base, as you alluded to. But now that they have Eric Hosmer, I I don't think it's he's necessarily a lock to come up this year. He's not on the forty man roster yet, so they don't have to do that till the off season. So I, I think with Hosmer there now, you know you can let him play out the season in AAA and then decide you know heading in next season what your plan is, whether that be to roll with to hand him in the job and coming out of spring training or to have him, you know, go down to Worcester for a couple months or a couple weeks, couple weeks, couple months, whatever it is. And, you know, kind of earn his promotion to the big leagues. Um, it's going to be an interesting uh, to see what, how they do handle that given Hosmer is under contract, but his contract is so tradable now. I mean, he's on the minimum salary, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if they just decided in the offseason that they want to make that transition. But I think it's as they've talked, the Red Sox front office has talked about in interviews, you know, that they, they don't want to be forced to promote him to fix the problems with the team. They want him to earn his promotion. And I think just because of the time he's missed, he's still yet to do that. But that time is coming. And when he does, I think he's going to be a very good player for a long time for the Red Sox. Couldn't agree more. I've been very impressed with what I've seen with him so far, especially, you know, the hot streak that we've seen from him uh, after struggling a little bit from coming back from his injury. But I think the, I think it's very uh, necessary that he he stays down in Worcester for, for you know, the rest of the season because he, he's struggled a little bit with um, batting against left-handed pitching. So I, I think, you know, this time will really help him continue his development at the plate. But uh, an- another position that's sort of up into question in 2023 is the catching situation. And I remember the last time we had you on, you mentioned that you didn't see anybody in this system uh, really replacing uh, or being put in that uh, starting role uh, for the Red Sox up in the majors. But has that really changed at all so far this throughout this season? Uh, no, I, I think that the status quo is kind of there where they've got a couple of guys who maybe they could be backups. Um, I, I, I think I like Connor Wong more than Ronaldo Hernandez when it comes to backups. I, I think Wong can uh, he can he can pick it. I, I think he does a good job handling pitchers. I think pitchers like throwing him, which is obviously a very important aspect of the catching position. And I think he he can hit enough to be a, a solid backup. Um Ronaldo Hernandez is the other guy in the 40 man who's in AAA and his bat he's you know he's hit pretty well this year there's still questions about how that will translate to the big league level given his approach um he's super aggressive he just doesn't walk a lot and he's got a decent amount of swing and miss in his game and I think yeah he's he's you know he he's making contact against AAA pitching but there are definitely some questions from uh, people about how that would how he would handle you know MLB pitching who the scouting report will get out on him pretty quickly um, but yeah, beyond that, there's not a lot of, of, of catching talent in the upper minors or depth in the upper minors. Um, as you said, I, I think it's mostly guys who project as 
backup at best. And beyond those two, those are like the clear top guys in the system. So I think it's a position that they're going to have to look to address externally if they're going to go with an everyday option. Or maybe they just think that, you know, a Connor Wong, Reese McGuire platoon is enough to be a catcher if they're willing to address the other positions. So it's definitely something I'm interested to see how they handle and what what the uh, kind of the, the moves are in the offseason because I, I just – it's I, I don't see that every day day guy coming in the system. So either, you know, as I said, you're gonna go with the the platoon options or you gotta go out and get someone. And obviously catcher is a pretty tough position to find everyday guys at. So well, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I hope that you are enjoying my conversation with Ian Cundle, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about betonline.net, which is the fastest and easiest way for you to check in on all your betting needs and find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now let's get back to my conversation with Ian. It definitely will be interesting. Praying they bring back uh, Vasquez on like a two-year deal or something like that. That'd be nice to see. Uh, but now, now looking towards, you know, like semi-review of this season, you know, we're, we're, we're at the beginning of August. You know, we've seen uh, three or four months of baseball from, uh, you know, the Red Sox minor league system. Uh, who has been the most surprising prospect so far, do you believe? Um, The most surprising player, I think that, it's a tricky question. Um, I mean, the, I would say Nico Cavadas has been pretty impressive. Like, it's I'm not convinced or you know sure what his long term future holds, but what he's done, you know, kind of coming out of uh, his draft year has been pretty pretty impressive. I mean, you, you know, you can't really ask for much more from a guy to come out and hit you know three thirty. He get he's hitting his OPS is over a thousand in low A, and he gets promoted, and now it's one almost it's higher. Um, you know, he's hitting 337 with an over 500 on base since his promotion, which is kind of crazy. Um, I'm still, yeah, as I said, I'm not sure what his long-term future is. And he, and there's a reason that he's still in the twenties, even with all that performance, but what he's done has been uh pretty impressive. Um, I think another one, I guess the most impressive person I would say to me so far this year would the way the step he took forward in his development was Brian Bayo. You know, he went from someone who there were definitely questions about whether he was a reliever or a starter to his stuff just really took a big step forward this year. I think he really learned a lot about himself as a pitcher and was able to develop, you know, evolve his game so that now he's got some pitches to get righties and lefties out. He's a four pitch guy now. And I think just his evolution and the way he's improved as a pitcher with, with handling, you know, his day to day kind of mound work. And then even within games, the way he's, you know, developed, developing a game plan and his ability to execute has just improved so much that I, I was really impressed with him prior to his promotion. And I don't think he was ready for the big leagues when he got promoted, which is why I don't really care what, you know, what his major league stats are. I think, you know, obviously he's had his struggles there, but he wasn't ready for that. He, he needed more time in the minors. They just, they ran out of pitching, so they had no choice but to promote him. But I think that he's definitely been, you know, one of the mo more impressive guys in the system so far this year. Yeah, I, I completely agree with both. Um, Cavadas, I was very impressed with his his on-base uh, ability, uh, especially looking at his stats, you know, in, in college uh, at Notre Dame. He, he was a guy who, you know, hit very – very far balls, a lot of home runs, but you know who, who know how who knows how much he was going to be able to get on base. But it's, I, I've been really impressed with him, and couldn't agree more with Bayo. You, you know, 
the people who are upset with his performance so far and uh, are are already you know putting uh, so, some people out of nowhere saying the you know the bust word. Well, you know he he's still very very young, twenty three, got a lot of groomed to grow, and I think um, I think he's a guy who you know could definitely start down in triple a but uh for, for bayo specifically and in winkowski too could could you potentially see these guys starting in triple a next season once obviously the the pitching comes back uh and in everybody comes back from injuries yeah i mean it, it's a lot of it's hard to say because of how much uncertainty there is on their roster going forward you know they have mm-hmm. so, i think they have like 10 or something free agents coming into next season right. and there's just not that many guys who've locked in positions for the following year so um with ba- in bayo's case especially i do think that that that's a, a possibility and frankly i think likely because i don't know if you want to go into this season counting on him to be one of your five starters i'd rather him start as like the sixth or seventh guy who's mm-hmm. you know ready to come up maybe and transition to that role by may or so winkowski's i think a little bit of a different story because he kind of is what he is at this point um i'm not sure he's a starter still and we've seen kind of with the red Sox, one of his big issues is, is he just really struggles to miss bats and um i think that he might be a candidate who would fit better in kind of like a short you know a two to three to four inning relief uh role in the bullpen so i i think he's got a better chance to make the opening day roster but i'm just not sure it's as a starter i think we could see him making it more in like that relief uh role that i was describing yeah, I, I completely agree. I was I was thinking uh, long long reliever, but I I think a two to one to two inning uh, would would definitely uh, would definitely work. But uh, last thing for you, Ian is uh, who do you think uh, right now uh, you know in the in the top twenty uh, do you think can make an impact next season? Obviously, we've talked about Cassis, Bayo, you know Winkowski, some of those top guys. But is there anybody that you know might be surprising to some of the listeners who who can make an impact next season? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think we've talked, we've hit on a lot of them, but I think that that group of pitchers that I mentioned earlier, the uh, Brian Mata, Brandon Walter, Thad Ward group, I, I think someone from that group will take a step forward and be in a position to help the big league staff next year. Just not sure who yet. Um, you know, Mata and Ward are still pretty early in their returns from Tommy John. You know, they're obviously both on the mound, but they're not ramped up to pitching. You know, five, six inning stints, and Walters obviously missed you know a decent amount of time with this neck in- issue. But I think one of those guys at least will definitely be able to step up. And, and, you know, serve as kind of like a depth piece like we've seen this year with the Winkowski types of the world. Um, and, yeah, beyond that, I, I think that we, we've pretty much hit on everyone in our top 20 who who has a chance to, to impact the big league le- level next year. The only one we didn't really was Sedan Raphael, who's also been one of the more impressive guys in the system this year. He's, he's really shot his way up the ranks, and now he's our number eight prospect um, in double A. With him, you know, the defense is great. Questions are on the offensive side. Uh, the approach is pretty rough. He's very aggressive, expands his own a bit too much. He just, just he needs to make better swing decisions. And if he can do that, they're, they're, the raw tools are there for him to, to be a very interesting player. But I just think with the where his approach is, it might take a little longer to get him up to the big blue level than you would think, um, given the production he's putting forward right now. I, I saw his catch in center field a few days ago. That that was insane. It was like oh, yeah. it, it, like Coco Crisp. His defense is remarkable. Um, he's one of the best defenders in the system. But yeah, I mean, and that alone is probably enough to get him to the big leagues. It's just if he wants to stick there for the long haul, you know, the def- the offense is going to have to improve um, beyond. I mean, obviously he's putting up great numbers now, but there's just little things. Bo- like when you when you when you dig into the numbers, um, you know, the lack of walks. There's a decent amount of swing and miss. The, just getting himself out by chasing pitchers, pitchers, little things like that that he's going to have to work on in order to reach his potential. 
Makes sense. It's, it's been super interesting to hear all the insight today, Ian, of, you know, the, everybody in the Red Sox farm system. You know, I, I had a lot of questions going in. I, I know that uh, probably a lot of listeners did. So I, I think you answered a lot of those questions really well. But uh, as always, greatly appreciate you coming on, my man. Uh, let the listeners know how they can go out and support you. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. It's always fun to, to talk shop and I appreciate uh, all you do and having me on again, as I said. Um, and yeah, if you're interested in like what you hear, we, uh, I have a podcast, it's SoxProspects.com podcast. We're on all your majors, you know, apps and all that fun stuff. Um, we mostly focus on the minor leagues where um, so if you, you want more in-depth deep dives into the guys we talked about here, you check that out. And then I'm on Twitter at Ian Kundal. Um, check me out there and check out at Sox Prospects on Twitter and SoxProspects.com for we got scouting reports on all these guys you know notes on everything first person recaps just just a lot of good stuff over there so check it out definitely go and check that out like ian said they they do a great job of giving you in-depth analysis and uh everybody over there does an amazing job so as always greatly appreciate your insight ian and uh definitely got to have you on again absolutely yeah and thanks for the kind words and uh yeah it was a lot of fun let's do it again soon i hope that you did enjoy my conversation with ian condon Got to get a little bit of insight on how some of the Red Sox minor leaguers in their farm system have been performing and what we could look forward to for some of them to make their debut this next season. But as always, we greatly appreciate everybody tuning into the Lockdown Red Sox podcast and for making Lockdown Red Sox their first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings you humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team in the biggest stories around the league. Follow the daily number one league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to follow Locked On Red Sox on Twitter. It's at LO underscore Red Sox, as well as myself is at Jake Iggy, and also my co-host Lauren. It's at La La La, three laws, Lauren with four R's. But we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. Get ready for a week full of guests and great insight from around the voices of the Red Sox. Got a lot of exciting stuff planned for you for this next week as Lauren is on her honeymoon. If you have not yet, by the way, congratulate Lauren for getting married. And this is one thing that I'm super nervous about when she does come back is I think I'm going to say Campbell. So ingrained in my mind, I got to say Willard. So I'm going to do my best, but pretty crazy uh, now to refer to her as Lauren Willard. So cool. So happy for both Lauren and Derek. Uh, they're, they've both been uh, great lights in my life, uh, you know, over the last eight, nine months. Pretty crazy, uh, you know, that, that I've had the opportunity to know both of them uh, for that long. But make sure to go and congratulate both of them because uh, I, I'm super happy for them. I know that you are, too. But we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. We hope that you have a great rest of your day and we'll end it how we always end it. Let's. Go Socks. Ace. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.